0: Uh we're going into Matthew chapter 5. So if you turn there with me. We we'll look at verse number 9. I think I said verse 8 in the bulletin, which was my mistake. It's verse number 9. "Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God." It does not say blessed are the peaceful. Does it? Blessed are the peacemakers. Folks, this is a challenging one, you ready? It really is. I it's like we're going into deeper water every single week. As a as a youngster, I hated swimming. <clears throat> I couldn't stand water. When I'd go to a pool because I had to, and there was a shallow end and it got deeper as it went, I didn't go past three feet. I didn't want to go into the deeper parts. I remember as a a teenager as well, when there was a challenging passage in God's Word, I didn't want to go there either. I like the shallow stuff. You're not in the shallow stuff today. Just so you know, this is pretty deep information. So, let's ask the Lord to help us as we get started. Heavenly Father, we are totally dependent upon you. Not just for our existence, and we acknowledge that very quickly. Thank you for your love and your care in making us. And for making us in Christ Jesus. Thank you for that too. Thank you, Lord, that you give us directions on how we are to live. And your word is before us. And we need to understand it better. Thank you for being with us and going with us and giving us the strength to do what you call us to do. Where you don't just call us to something and leave us on our own to figure it out or how to accomplish it. Because all these things are for your honor and your glory. And that's why we exist as well. And I pray today that uh, even though the passage might be exceedingly challenging, We would be mindful of your role in all these things. Not only in calling us, but using us for your honor and glory. So help us to understand today and to be willing to do what you call us to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I set you up for a doozy, haven't I? We are walking through the Beatitudes here First week, we entered into verse number three Blessed are the bankrupt. These are my bees. They have nothing. That's not a bad place to start, folks. Matter of fact, that's the place we must start with our relationship with God because we bring nothing into this. We are bankrupt in every single way, and He knows that, and it's great for us to acknowledge that. Blessed are the bankrupt. Blessed are the bleeding those who mourn, acknowledging who we are. Boy, I hate looking in the mirror at times when I see myself for who I am. And uh, the fact that we're sinful beings, that's true. Now the Lord had a solution for that, praise Him. And so we can look at this and we can see it for what we are, but we can see it for what He's done too. And He said, blessed are the mourning, blessed are the bleeding. That's the term I used for it. Blessed are the broken, verse number 5. Those are the gentle. They have been made useful. And I underscore broken like that of breaking a horse. It's now rendered useful for service. And then verse number 6. Blessed are the burning. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now I, I suggest to you that these four are things that God does with you as individuals it's that vertical relationship you have with him where he brings us to a realization of who we are and what we need and it's simply this, without him we can do nothing and those who get to know him in that fashion will create an appetite for righteousness They must have it. Like a thirst and like a hunger for it. They want more. If you're satisfied with less of God right now, I pray that you check your heart. Because those who are growing in the Lord want more. If you want a good example of that, come out tonight. We're talking in Philippians chapter 3. That's what Paul couldn't... He couldn't have enough of Christ. That's a burning for it. Now those things the Lord has built in His relationship with us, to help us grow, help us to to become what He has designed us to be. And when you hit verse 7 and on, it starts to turn into horizontal relationships. This is how He uses us, who are growing in Him. And we started with the merciful. The merciful, those who are burdened. Because if you have received mercy then you know what others need to. He has designed us that way, that we might be merciful. So the bankrupt has an outflow of mercy. Because we know what it's like to be treated with mercy. Then we saw last time, blessed are the pure in heart, the blameless. That goes very well with those who mourn. where we see who we are, And then we see what God has done for us to change us and to deal with the issue of sin. And now we stand on this side of it, and I trust, folks, this is true of you. You don't want to do that anymore. Now I know our condition. (laughs) I know what we're apt to do. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. We sing that song. But it's a blameless one who knows what to do with that. They take it back to the Lord. That's what we're called to do. Now, there's also a ministry in that, isn't there? For those of us who have seen uh, the consequences of sin and know it very well, we have a ministry as blameless ones to help those in those spots. That's a horizontal thing still. We go out to them. The Lord's prepared us to do that. Well, don't be surprised when we talk about the binders today, the peacemakers. That comes from something that God has already started in your own heart. And that is, He has made you useful. That's the gentle. The gentle, this is the, the way it turns horizontally and goes out into meeting the needs of other people. The usefulness in binding. Binding. A peacemaker does that. So I'm trying to show you a bit of a pattern and I hope it's useful to you. As we talk through these things. Because this is one of the triplets of horizontal Christianity. We're burdened by mercy. We're blameless by purity. We are binders as peacemakers. We're called to be that way. So we're going to walk through this today. Because I trust you have a goal in your heart. God is working on the condition of your heart the response of your heart. But what's the goal? Be like Him? He's the ultimate peacemaker. This is very important for us to understand. We have a goal. What overflows in our hearts should reach others? And if He's made us useful and obedient to Him... Then don't you want that for those around you? Wouldn't you love to see that? We talk today because it's that time of year when we bring up our country. Righteousness exalts a nation. Do you want that? Wouldn't you love to see a nation righteous? Guess what? We're called to be righteous. We're called to have a hunger and thirst for righteousness. You are the salt. You are the light. A nation that's dark like this needs us to be righteous. Before we point the finger at them and say, hey, straighten up, look in the mirror. We're the ones who're supposed to know it, we're the ones who're supposed to do it. That's the story of a peacemaker. This is a very interesting part of our study because as we look at this passage, I believe this is where it starts to get more challenging in ministry, and it is for the mature. It is something that's especially for the mature, but essentially, our start this way it is what God approves. This is what He wants because He says, Blessed are, right? This is His. his Statement of this is what I approve. This is what I want. I want you to be peacemakers. That's not easy in a world like ours. That's not easy with any person. Because of the nature of man. Many years ago I, I saw this on my sister-in-law's refrigerator. A little, you know, we flip all kinds of things and stick them up there. And it was a little note that she had on her refrigerator, and I remembered reading it and thinking, boy, I need that someday for a sermon. Here it comes. It said this, Dear Lord, So far today, God, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm pro- I'm probably going to need a lot more help. <laughs> Does that sound real? You know, peace can be well maintained if it wasn't for other people. We know that's our problem. It's the other guy, right? If we live on our se- by ourselves on an island, that'd be easy. But this is the fact. It only goes to to prove the heart. Our land, our world, our history is anything but a record of peace. We know that. Probably the most traumatic event in the nation's history was in the 1860s, the Civil War era. That's brother against brother, literally. Incredible things that that marked that era. And yet at the same time, we had some of the clearest, maybe the the most heartfelt appeals to peace written ever. Some of our our favorite hymns came from that era. Hearts craving, craving for peace. One of my absolute favorites, and it's July, I know, It's a Christmas song. This was written by a man who knew the conflicts of 1860 and beyond. He knew what it was like to have heartbreak during those days. He records in his diary about the day that his wife's dress caught fire. And the burns were too much. And she passed away. And he had a son who was serving in the the war, and he was severely injured in battle. And over and over and over again, he kept getting struck by tragedies. And he looked out at the world around him and said, "Where's the peace? After all, in Christmas time. We talk about peace on earth, goodwill to man. Is that just a fairy tale? Were the angels just being clever?" They thought, hey, that's going to look great and i hit Christmas hymn someday. That's what Henry W. Longfellow was looking for. These are his words. And I'll read it to you as the poem actually was written. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men, and thought how... As the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had just rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black accursed mouth the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, Goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the heart stone of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth. Goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong. And it mocks the song of peace on earth. Goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth. Goodwill to men. It's a very profound poem. To put yourself in their shoes, it's it's a tough spot to, to think through. That's what a poet would do. He'd express his heart on page. And wrestle with some of the hardest verses we have in Scripture. And it may not seem so hard to say glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill to men. That may sound like a very easy thing to say or sing. But lay it next to the headlines of the paper. Lay it next to the events that go on, not just in our country, folks, but in countries all over our world, where we have missionaries in Nigeria right now wondering what's happening with these herdsmen that are coming up over the hill. The in South Sudan, now here in the States because he was attacked, left for dead. God spared his life. How many stories can we go through to show there's no peace on this earth right now? It's an incredible thing to say. Sobering, isn't it? It's quite a sobering thing to think this through. And it's a very hard concept to think this through. Imagine, if you will, living in the days of Christ when he was born, that birth was announced. Peace on earth, good will to men. It had been over 400 years since God said anything to this planet. Malachi was the last one to put down the pen. And it had been quiet. Quiet. You know, when somebody doesn't talk to you for 400 years, you start to wonder if he's mad at you. Where's the peace in that? God sends his message. It's all about peace. You know, in Genesis, the very first conflict doesn't take long, does it? between brothers, ends up in murder. We can read of that right away in Genesis chapter 4. Here's one of the problems. You ready? It's in the book of James. It's in chapter 3 of James. I'm going to read it to you, verse 13 through 18. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior and deeds and the gentleness of Wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. Boy, that makes you gulp. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. I thought, what an interesting combination. That's our last two sermons, including today. Pure and peaceable. Gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering. Without hypocrisy. And the seeds whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. See, peace is at the heart of the gospel. Jesus Christ came to meet our greatest need. You know what that is. Sin and its consequence. Through His death, through His resurrection... We know He's removed the sin. Stains the consequence, the shame. He paid the penalty so that we can walk in newness of life. Right? That's why He saved us. That we might walk in newness of life. But that's not the whole thing. Yes, He made us new creatures in Christ and all that. But this is what it says in Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's made that possible, that we might have peace with God. Irenae is the Greek word. I always thought, what a beautiful, beautiful word that is. Irenae. You can name a little girl that name, can't you? Irenae. It means peace. It's a word for peace, and we generally translate it that way. It also means welfare, health. It means that you're not disturbed. Those are some of the terms that go along with it. It's a very beautiful word. But the essence of the word is a word never used in Scripture. The Greeks called it iro. Eirene is a E-I-R-A-N-A. But iro is its root. It's a verb, E-I-R-O, Iro. It means to join things together. It is such an interesting thing, because when things are joined together correctly, not only do they fit right, but they work the best. They work the most efficient, and they don't make the same noise as something that doesn't. Simple picture. I use this, but it's a simple idea. Inside your car, when you get into it to go home, appreciate the fact the transmission is full of all these wonderful gears, all these little teeth that fit together, and when it's working correctly, your car sounds like it should, it runs like it should, it's as efficient as it should be, and you go from point A to point B. When one gear gets out of place. Not only does it ruin efficiency and the potential of getting where you need to go, but it makes a horrible noise. If you want to practice with some of the sounds it would make, you're driving a stick shift, just forget the clutch once in a while and just try to cram it into another gear. Makes a beautiful noise, doesn't it? That's lack of peace. What is that? When things fit together properly, that's Iro, That's the core and the root of peace. Things put together the right way. And when they're put together the right way, they work the best. They accomplish what they're designed to do. Now, we could never, never, never have rectified our relationship with God. He had to do it for us. And the result of what Jesus Christ has done is amazing. He has put us in a relationship with God where now it can work. He can use us. We can be used of Him. We can bring Him glory and honor through our lives. Walk in His way. We can do it that way. That's efficient. That's effective. That's beautiful. That's peace. And you as a believer in Jesus Christ... That's what He's done for you. He has given you that. You have peace through the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. That's not the hammock and the lemonade and the summer day and all that shade and everything else. We're talking about a right relationship with God. He did it for you. So that He can use you. That's the peace that we talk about in Scripture all the time. This is what God has done. That's this is, here's a couple of examples. Romans 14, 17. It says, the kingdom of God is righteousness. It's being in the right position with God. It's peace. Having a right cooperation with God. And joy. The expression of that relationship with God. He's given to us that. He's given it to us. There's evidence that you have peace with God. Galatians 5.22, fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Now that's just not to put a pretty plaque on your wall. That's what He's doing in us. That's what He's doing in us. In other words, He's building us up in peace so that we might be what? Look at the verse. Peacemakers. He's not making us peaceful, though that is what comes of it. He's making us peacemakers. When you rely on God like you should, Philippians 4 says it guards your heart and it guards your mind. So we struggle sometimes, I know. We struggle with understanding our position with God. We struggle with cooperating with Him. We sometimes show very little expressions of joy or love. We spend our whole day in anxiety, perhaps. We quickly point to circumstances and blame them, don't we? Ah, it's everybody else's fault. It's all those people around me. That's why I don't have peace. When the real issue is, it's our relationship with God. You can have this kind of peace in the worst environment because you're right with God. God didn't accomplish all this to attain peace just for our own sake. He made peace so that we can be peacemakers. Peacemakers. It doesn't say blessed are the peaceful. Peaceful. It says, blessed are the peacemakers. Those are doers of peace. Doers of peace. Now, this is what we do. I want to spend my time on this, especially right now. I believe that it should be natural. I'm going to use the word natural here, just for a minute. Spiritually natural, okay? Okay. I believe it is spiritually natural for us to overflow with what's been put inside of us. There's a little caption I once read that whatever you're filled with, will spill out when you're bumped. And if He's filled us with mercy, we should be merciful, right? If He's filled us with purity... We should be pure in our actions. If He has filled us with usefulness, then we should be useful to others. But didn't He give us peace? That's what it's for. To spill out. Even when we're bumped. To spill out. I think that's a natural thing for a Christian. It should be the goal... ...of a Christian to want to make peace. Because we know the value of it. What it has done for us. Do you know it's the expectation of your Heavenly Father? Did you know that? Not only what He approves... ...but what He looks for. The peacemaker term. It's interesting here. Peacemaker here is an adjective... You know what adjectives are for, right? They're to describe. And he's, he, wouldn't he love to describe you as a peacemaker? Can you wear that adjective? I'm a peacemaker. That's God's expectation. It's, it's character. It's more than just actions. It's character as well. It's doers. Because here's what we can easily do with peace. We can easily become passive in peace. You know what that is? Matter of fact, there's a whole group out there that practices it quite well. They're pacifists. War breaks out, not me. Conflict, not me. I live at peace. You know what they're saying? I run away from the conflict. I run away from the challenges. I don't want the trouble. I'm going to find some quiet place where I can sit and be undisturbed. Unfortunately, that reflects the heart so easily, doesn't it? How many of us really love conflict anyway? I've got to see who raises their hand here. How many of us love it when things are coming unglued around them? How many of us love it when wars break out? How many of us love it when there's that kind of a stress in the middle of life? But see, we don't. And that's why our first tendency is to run the other way, isn't it? Because we say, blessed are the peaceful. Guess what God says? You ready? Seatbelt on. Blessed are the peacemakers. Where can you only go to practice that think about it where is the peace needed in the conflict in the wars in the trouble in the stresses oh my this is very interesting because this is what God expects he says in Psalm thirty-four fourteen, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. That's an incredible phrase. Seek peace and pursue it. That word pursue is the hunting word. It's actually also the word for persecution. What it is, is you're going to chase it. That's aggressive. You're not going to quit till you get it. You're going to run after it. Run after it. Run after it. Run after it. God says that. There's peace. Pursue it. Go after it. I'm very glad Jesus didn't stop in what He was doing for us. If you want a picture of pursuing peace, wow, look what He did just to secure that for us. Look at the price paid that we might have it. The pursuit of peace is not in a place where peace already exists. Peacemakers go where peace is lacking in order to establish it there. It really is a interesting manoeuvre like it's it's a strategic like terminology here because peacemakers go to the conflict. They don't retire to the solitary. They go to the conflict. We're called to strive for peace. You said, but Pastor, you read from Psalm 34. That's Old Testament. There. Let's talk New Testament. 2 Timothy 2:22. Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. With all those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Pursue it. Peace is in the list. Hebrews twelve, verse number fourteen. Pursue peace with all men, God says, and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Romans fourteen nineteen. So then let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Does it sound like he's let off the gas pedal? Ephesians four three. Be diligent to preserve the unity of spirit in the bond of peace. Be diligent. Romans twelve eighteen. You know this one. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Let me give it to you this way. On the scale of importance, in Matthew, chapter number... 5 you're right there you haven't closed by now Matthew 5 just look over to verse 23 for a minute if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you that's a conflict of sorts isn't there there's something not right God says well your worship is more important anyway now look at the next verse. Leave your offering there before the altar. And go. Go. First, be reconciled to your brother. Then come and present your offering. Is that uncomfortable? Whew. I had a guy angry at me one time. I read that before communion service. And he came up afterwards and said, you prevented me from taking communion today because of that verse. But if you've got a problem, go fix it. Okay. Do you think peace is more important than prayer? Ooh. Let me read to you out of Peter. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. I'm to get way back here. Listen to this one. All right. It gets, it gets very personal, guys. You husbands. In the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. As with somebody weaker, since she is a woman, show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Stop and say, what? Obviously, if he's not doing what Scripture calls him to do to his wife, is it going to be a harmonious situation? Is it going to be going the way it should? Probably not. Not if he's he's treating her without honor. If he's treating her not as a sister in Christ, as one who's received the grace of life as well, if he's not understanding, if he's not showing his care, that's not a happy scenario, no matter how you map it out. You know what God said about that? It could hinder your prayers. <laughs> he said, whoa, he's kind of serious about this thing. Matter of fact, he said it this way. In Psalm sixty-six, eighteen: If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. You will not hear. What's stored in your heart? I dealt with this a little bit last week too, when I talked about purity. The blameless ones. What's, what's stored in your heart? If there are things in there that do not please the Lord, how can you ever think that you can work with Him in cooperation... Ineffectiveness in peace, if you're not at peace with those things, how is it that we think that the heart is somehow somehow detached from service? I right, let the heart do whatever it wants, but you know God only sees what I do, right? Not what I think when God calls us to be peace makers is based on the fact that we are peace receivers that's what we're dispensing is why he first gave us that's what we're called to do and we're called to do it in a very tough place and it's very important that we are walking with the lord because that's where love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control is being built in you and being built in me we're walking with the spirit He is the one who produces and effectively uses peace through us. If we're not right with God, it's not going to be manufactured by you or me. This is His peace, not ours. This is what the Lord approves. You see, I told you it would be a little uncomfortable, Jim and I. Because this means we can't close our eyes to the world around us. We can't close our eyes to the concerns of brothers and sisters, or neighbors, or such like that. When there is conflict, guess who knows peace? Believers do. Do you think the world's going to offer them any? You're you're made to be the peacemaker. That means going into a tough spot. And going into a tough spot dependent upon the Lord. The one who's provided it for you is the one who will use you and use you to channel it to them. That's the peace we're talking about here. That's God's peace. Folks, whatever peace that we manufacture and strategize to produce is not going to help anybody. It's only Jesus that's called the Prince of Peace, you know. Blessed are these because they are the sons of God. They will be called the sons of God. Now there's something I want to focus on as I close here because I want you to understand this. You're not earning a relationship with God just because you're a peacemaker that he's going to suddenly decide okay, I'll keep you. You're, you're, You're not earning this title sons of God. It's because you are a son of God. You are a peacemaker. The son takes on the characteristic of the father. Our father is a peacemaker. And as his children, we should have that reputation too. It's part of our family. God the father initiated it. God the son purchased it. God the Holy Spirit dwells within us to bring about that peace. We are his children and we should reflect that. Of all the people on this planet, the Christians ought to know peace. And they ought to be peacemakers. That's not blind to sin, folks. That's not what I mean. That doesn't mean just close your eyes and just hope everybody has a happy day. A peacemaker has the answer for that which makes peace. And since we treasure the peace that God has given to us, shouldn't we want to share that with those around who need it? That's a peacemaker. You shall be called sons of God. You know, the day will come when we stand before His throne. <laughs> Boy, is that going to be fun. You think? We're going to stand before His throne. And the day will come when rewards are given out in service to His name. And I know we always like to say, hear the phrase, my, this is my son whom I am well pleased, or... Uh, well done thou good and faithful servant how would you like God to look at you and say what a great peacemaker you're just like me that's who his son was that's what we're called to be now you've got something to think about don't you this week chew on those words Peacemakers. Peacemakers. See what the Lord does in your heart about that. And where here have you go with that. Heavenly Father, you have done great things for us. We acknowledge that right now. Praise you for it. But that's to design us to be useful to you. And as you have given to us this great peace, May we be found as peacemakers, employing what you gave to us for your honor and glory, for the good of those around us. May we be channels of your blessings to others. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our hearts, even now. We pray in Jesus' name.